0: How's it going, everybody? Aloha and welcome back to the Brick House for another edition of Bose Football Final here at KHON2.com. And anywhere you download podcasts, I'm your host, Rob DeMello, Joining me, my brother's former University of Hawaii player and coach, Rich Miano. We got former Rainbow Warrior offensive lineman, RJ Hollis. And guys, for the first time in the Timmy Chang era at the University of Hawaii as head coach, the Rainbow Warriors pick up an FBS win and... In the process, a Mountain West conference victory as the Bows beat Nevada 31 16, moving to 2 5 on the season, one and one. In conference play, so much to talk about this game. Really, uh, I don't even think there's a, the proper words to express how big of a win this was in the rebuilding process of the Rainbow Warrior football team. But we'll get into all of that. We'll talk offense, defense, special teams, and everything in between. But before we start talking, let's hear from the guys themselves. This was Penei Pavihi, linebacker for the University of Hawaii and Rainbow Warrior head coach Timmy Chang on the win.
1: Defensive side of the ball, we emphasize, you know, just getting down and dirty. You know, uh, you know, huge shout out to uh coach Yo and uh Coach Brown, uh Coach Chris Brown. You know, uh every day they're always in our ears, you know, fits, fits, fits. But sometimes X's and O's go out the window and you just play ball. Passing the ball, you know, there's still a lot of still a lot of work to do. Um, but I see it coming along every every day we practice and and uh and, and it's going to be there for us when we need it. But, you know, we got both. And, and, that's, and that's the thing is that, you know, you got some guys running by guys. You got, you got these receivers reading, reading things and, and seeing stuff. And, and um, you know, it's going to help. You know, once this quarterback keeps getting efficient, I'm looking at 13 of 25, and nowhere was he perfect. But, you know, we're going to watch this film and we're going to get better, and, and, and that's, that's what's important.
0: All right, again, that was Panay Pavihi and Timmy Chang, obviously uh, stopping the run for this Rainbow Warrior football team was key, and then... The offense, of course, Timmy Chang talking about if this passing game is able to catch up to the running game, which has been phenomenal here to start the season. But guys, I'm going to give you a chance first to kind of lay things out before we start getting into specifics. Rich Miano, how big of a win was this? 31-16 over Nevada. Rainbow Warriors get into the win column in the Mountain West and in the blink of an eye are one and one in conference just right there in the mix in the West Division. Yeah,
2: I'm going to kind of paraphrase what Coach Chang said, because I think if this team continues to evolve in its passing game and continues to possess the ball offensively, because they have been doing that and taking it away on defense, which we've seen some of that, while running the ball, Rob, and stopping the run, Jimmy Chang might be the Mountain West coach of the year, and Hawaii will compete favorably in the rest of this schedule. So I think there's a lot of things to be positive about.
0: Yeah, Rich, you bring up the rest of the schedule. And, RJ, this kind of felt like a crossroads game, right, where you play well against San Diego State, but you don't get the win. You then get Nevada at home with Colorado State and Wyoming coming up. And you kind of got the the sense that if Hawaii wasn't able to get a win over the Wolfpack, the thought now becomes like, geez, I mean, are they going to be able to get a win in the Mountain West? That's going to be a demoralizing loss. That's going to be a punch in the gut after playing well. But then on the other side, where you you veer right on the crossroads and you start going up the upward trajectory and you start thinking, hey, the University of Hawaii should be considered in the game for all of these games here moving forward. And so for that reason alone, this was a big dub, wasn't it?
1: Oh, yes, most definitely. And it's early in the Mount West Conference play. You still got quite a few games, but I think seeing the casual trajectory ever since the New Mexico State game, which was kind of like the big red flash stop sign and fans starting to kind of worry and I'm pretty sure even the coaching staff and the players were starting to worry are we going to be able to turn this thing around are we going to be able to get it better you're 21 and a half point underdogs when you go to San Diego State and they escape with the victory so in your mind you kind of get the moral victory so to speak but as Rich alluded to last week there's no such things as moral victories in football and I think having this 15-point victory against Nevada, which 15 points in winning is a lot different than only winning by three points. I think that's the biggest positive they can take away from this. Not only did we win, we won in somewhat of a convincing fashion. This wasn't necessarily a close game. So looking at your schedule going forward and the steady progress you've had for the past few weeks, I think there's more than enough positivity and motivation for these players and coaches to go and attack these next games, knowing, hey, we may not go for a Mountain West Conference Championship, but bowl contention is still in the back of our minds and still a possibility. So with the victory that you had against Nevada, the steady improvements that have been shown week in and week out, and what you have going forward, I think there was loads of positivity and momentum to bring away from this Nevada game.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. The University of Hawaii playing solid football here over the last couple of weeks. They have one win to show for it and a very close loss on the road to a good Aztecs team. Uh, And if you were to choose an image uh, to remember these last two weeks by, I think it's clear that it would be the front seven of the University of Hawaii football team. They go up to SoCal and play the Aztecs. Following a game against New Mexico State where they gave up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of yards on the ground to the Aggies. And I think anyone that looked at the schedule. From that point, from that Saturday, as soon as the game was over, and saying, "Okay, what's uh, what's up next here on the docket for the Rainbow Warriors after this bye week?" And you saw San Diego State, you saw Nevada, two teams that traditionally run the football in the Mountain West Conference. They do it well, and really through the first part of the season, continued to run the football here in 2022. And so I think that kind of you know opened the eyes a lot of a lot of people being like, "Oh no, something needs to happen, or else this team's going to get run all over." And what you got? at that San Diego State game was 95 yards rushing on 35 carries given up by the University of Hawaii rush defense. Then you go up against the Wolfpack with the famed Toa Tawa and Devontae Lee Thunder and Thunder tandem. And as a team, Nevada picks up 89 yards rushing on 28 carries. This defensive effort, especially in the front seven, Panay Pavihi, at linebacker, had eight tackles. You have Peter Manoma, defensive back, a freshman with seven tackles, a tackle for loss. You throw in there Logan Taylor, who comes in off the bench because of an Isaiah Tuufanga injury he has five tackles in a quarterback hurry and this is a guy that linebackers coach Chris Brown raved about in the offseason saying hey this guy is a splitting image of me uh, just a little smaller but mentality wise (laughs) this is who I was when I was at the University of Hawaii and really you get to see that in this game against Nevada Rich Miano your thoughts on what this defense has been able to do here as of late and the growth that they have made here in 2022 under this staff
2: Yeah, I'm going to start by saying everybody talks about front seven and run defense, but this is really a front nine because the seven and eight and nine-man boxes that Jacob Euros uh, with those two Satans, Meki Pay, Peter, Manuma. Okay, let's go with the evolution of going from maybe the worst run defense in the FBS or at least, Rob, the Mountain West Conference. It's been inexplicable. The only explanation I have is that the D-line, the linebackers, and the secondary is playing better. And they're playing like my new favorite player, number 33, with the hair coming out of the back of his helmet, Peter Manuma. And then the inspirational talk by Travis LaBoy last week in San Diego State, right? And you also had Louis Funga. And then preaching by the World Wrestling Federation linebacker coach, Chris Brown, has resonated with these players. And I can't. Yeah, sure. They're working on fundamentals and tackling and they're learning the schemes and they're playing faster. But I'm still I can't even explain. I've never seen a defense go from being so bad to being so good against stopping the run in three weeks. I'm at a loss for words.
0: You brought up Peter Manuma, and obviously, a great football game by him, the freshman out of Campbell. Uh, we also have to shine a light on uh, playing with a heavy heart. He lost his mother recently his family in attendance, the loudest people in the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex. He was wearing the pink wristbands in honor of his mother. You can't imagine what that must be like to to hit the field with that kind of emotion. Um, But obviously, he channeled it and and played with passion and pride. And and we send lots of love out to Peter and his entire family during this time. But RJ, uh, what Rich was talking about as far as this defense and the growth made and, uh, you know, Rich has been around football for a long time. And so I think that's something that shouldn't go unnoticed of what he just said is that in all of his time in football, he's never seen a defense that was playing so bad, then turn it around this quickly and be playing as fundamentally sound as aggressive as they are. And so RJ, what stands out to you? What jumps out to you? Is it the fundamentals? Is it a mindset? How are they doing this?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with the mindset. And, you know, Chris Brown has been brought up a lot, you know, as far as motivating this defense, as getting these players kind of, you know, fired up and whatnot, talking about Logan Taylor being a spitting image of him more in the mindset. And I think the dog that I asked for coming into San Diego, I don't know if they watch Bo's football final. A lot of them follow me on Instagram, but (laughs) I feel like that has been stuck in that mindset of this defense ever since that And not only that, you got to keep your receipts. Last year, you had Darius Moussao, you had Corey Bethley, you had Justice Tabai, Jonah Laulu, all of this talent that left. But you also had Toa Tawa and Devontae Lee in the backfield last year. And against that defense, they did better than they did against this defense that is quote unquote depleted last year. 32 carries for 111 yards and two touchdowns between those two running backs. This year, not that, not at all. So I think the mentality of this defense of, hey, enough is enough. We can ball. We can go out there and get it done. Seven TFLs from this defense against Nevada. Seven, seven times they were able to get to a play before it even made it back to the line of scrimmage. I think the mentality of this defense is we dogs, we on the prowl, and now whenever we step up against any offense, we got the confidence to know we can stop whatever we put our minds towards stopping.
0: And Rich, I want to ask you about one player in specific because he got a lot of attention prior to the San Diego State game for getting a scholarship here as a senior. He's on the defensive line, Kaiser graduate Andrew Choi, who spent the majority of his career here at the University of Hawaii on the scout team over the last two years under Todd Graham. Did not see the field. I mean, he saw his significant, the most significant amount of time in his career when Nick Rolovich was still here as the head coach and he was just a baby. And now here he is as a senior. He's given a scholarship. uh, Despite having put up any real numbers here this season, he gets inserted into the starting lineup. And over the last two weeks, there is an argument. That he's been the best defensive lineman on this football team, uh, you know, with Blessment to Allah and, and and JT obviously pushing uh, and and setting the tone there in the middle. Um, but Andrew Choi, what he's been able to do here over the last two weeks—I mean, this is kind of phenomenal as far as uh, no one's ever seen this out of him before.
2: Yeah, you know, because his brother Zeno was a much better-looking player physically, and so when you go to practice early in fall camp and you see Matayo Soli and you see um, my man uh, Jones, and you see some of these uh, Jonah Caja by Welch, you know, being 6'3", 6'4", and then you look at Andrew Choi and you go, oh, you know what, he'll be a good special teams player because he does not pass the eyeball test. Then you talk to defensive coordinator Jacob Uro and talk about how well he played against San Diego State, and I, saw, I specifically watched him last night, fly sweep, jet sweep, and he didn't make the tackle, but he made the runner bubble enough so he could get his friends and the rest of his teammates to make the tackle. But you talk about responsibility, you know, playing his 111, playing hard every single play. He is one of those guys where you can almost put him in the pantheon of walk-ons the Mike Trestles, the David Maievas, the Rich Mianos, the, you know, the, 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 all kinds of players that have come through this. Program. Chad Owens,
0: you could throw in Dad there. Chad
2: Owens. And, you know, there's just a million walk-ons that have contributed. But I'll tell you what, Andrew Choi just does everything correctly, and he is really an inspired football player that has made this defense sound. Timmy Chang said this, after a split or a divide type of play against New Mexico State, there were three guys on the outside of the tight end, nobody on the inside. I guarantee you that's not happening with Andrew Choi in there, because he's lining guys up and doing his job.
0: Awesome performance here over the last couple of weeks here for Andrew Choi. And and you have to imagine that this is just the beginning for him as he plays his heart out for the Rainbow Warriors, the home team uh, kid who grew up here in the state of Hawaii. All right. So we talked about the rush defense. Now let's talk about the rushing game for the University of Hawaii who continues to set the tone offensively. And what really jumps out to me, and and we talked about this yesterday on the broadcast of Spectrum Sports, is that it's really interesting how the University of Hawaii starts with a certain offense Uh, you know, after, what is that, four games of the season, they start to evolve into something else and they start to bring back the run and shoot. And so if anything, that tells you that, okay, as they start doing this, what was working before might not work because everybody's got to be on the same page and everybody's doing this dance to try to find their footing within this new offense. But it's remarkable how the running game has been the only, consistency here this season offensively every single game they average between four six eight yards per carry for the running backs and and credit goes to the offensive line obviously who still has to mix and match because of injuries here this year but Obviously, the person that is carrying the flag for that bunch is Diedrich Parson. He was the VIP, very important Parson. I'll never stop saying that because I just love it so much. 24 carries, 136 yards, and three touchdowns. He has 10 touchdowns here this season six yards per carry against Nevada. And before we start talking about Diedrich, let's also mention Tylen Hines, the freshman, 12 carries, 70 yards, an average of six yards per pop. It seems like every time he plays in a football game, he's averaging eight yards per carry, six yards per carry. These insane numbers. Uh, RJ Hollis, I want to start with you. Uh, What impresses you most about Diedrich and the leadership that that he carries here on this team?
1: Uh, I think it's just his confidence in the way he runs and the patience that he has in letting these offensive linemen do the thing that they need to do. This offensive line had the most returning experience in all of the Mountain West. So regardless of what your offensive scheme was going to be, you knew you were going to have to get behind these big guys up front to make something happen. And that's kind of what's happened all season. The running game has been the strength that will more than likely continue to be the strength for this offense as the passing game catches up. But you gotta give credit to, to Big Micah Vanderpool, to Il Manning, to Aliki Tanavasa, to Stefan Bernard Walt. You gotta give the credit to these guys because they are creating holes for Dedrick Parson to hit and he's hitting them. So it is just A nice mix of these offensive linemen getting a hat on the hat, getting to the second level, creating that separation for Dedrick Parson to hit. And Dedrick Parson is doing it the right way. He looks very comfortable in knowing what the blocking scheme is going to be, even if the linebackers move, even if they shift. He knows what his offensive linemen are going to do blocking-wise, and he hits those holes with patience. And once he makes it to that second level, he kind of has that deceptive speed to take off and get a lot of these big chunk plays. So this running game has been the bread and butter from the start. And I think even as this passing game sort of catches up, that running game is going to remain the bread and butter. Those big offensive linemen are moving dudes off of that first level, Of defense and that is more than enough for these running backs to get because like you mentioned tylen hines also those two combined for over 200 yards together and tylen hines is also hitting those holes finding that offensive line double team and where i'm going to hit it at and using their athleticism to get this running game into the position that it has become so 10 touchdowns already this far along in the season you know that this running game is going to be what it needs to be. And the most important thing to remember is that as an offensive coordinator, I can have more of a reliance and a breath of fresh air knowing that if my passing game can't necessarily get there, I always got these big fellas, Dedrick Parson, Tylen Hines and company to lean back on. So hats off to the running game, the running backs, coach Roman Sapolu, y'all are doing y'all thing. Please continue the good work because that gives us more than enough good stuff to talk about here at the brick house.
0: Yeah, of course. And, and Rich Miano, you brought up uh, the eye test, right? When we were talking about Andrew Troy. And I think it's safe to say that you could line people up and, and show them Diedrich Parson, show them Tylen Hines and say, okay, tell me what kind of back these guys are. Right. And you're going to say, Oh, well, Diedrich's the power back. He's the guy that's going to that truck you and lay you out. And, uh, and Tylan Hines is the speedy guy. He'll beat you on the outside. And the, the crazy thing is that both of these guys have shown you both of those types of styles of running within ball games? I mean, you saw it against Nevada where Parson on one play will truck somebody. The next one, he'll spin move past someone and do a sidestep and, and move horizontal down the field in order to get a first down. And then Tylen Hines, right, will burst through a, a, an opening and just go straight up north and try to get as far as he can. And then another time he'll elect to get hit he will he will left for the contact and lay those dudes out and pick up a few extra yards so I mean how much does that help with the psyche of the defenders that are trying to stop them when each of these running backs have put so many different types of runs out there on tape
2: yeah you know Rob I, I agree with that I'm going to first touch on the offensive line because I do think like RJ was alluding to it's the strength of this team and Roman Sapolo has really made these guys not only aggressive going to the second level, but cohesive, right? And I think this could possibly be the best offensive line in the Mountain West Conference, but let's go with Diedrich first because he's the leader in terms of that running back room. He made a cut yesterday off of his right leg going back inside. Then in almost the same series, or it could have been the next series, he made one off of his left leg to go the other way. Then there was a hesitation play by him, as RJ was talking about, letting his blockers kind of do their thing up front and then finding that window. There were so many inside zone runs that went all the way out the back door because of his vision, his balance. I mean, that was as good as a game as I've ever seen him. And really up there with some of the really good running backs we've seen over the last decade. And uh, so impressive. And, and Tylen Hines can hide behind the offensive line. He can also, it's almost like a, a collective breath uh, when he touches the ball because he could break that and become a chunk play at any time because he hides behind the backs he's quick enough to uh his acceleration and the thing is when I asked Ian Shoemaker because I saw this last week he's good in six man pass protection too and he said he's a willing participant which means he doesn't do everything right but like you mentioned Rob he ain't afraid to get physical even against bigger guys coming on the pass rush and both of those guys will catch the ball out of the backfield they know a little bit about the passing game so you know what Keke Masapeka has done a good job with this running back uh, crew and, and, and the stable is uh, Dwayne Lucas would be pretty proud of those two stallions.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And, and when you look at the vertical passing game, such a focus here at the university of Hawaii over the last couple of weeks, Zion Bowens comes back from injury and continues to make his presence felt four catches, 79 yards and a 48 yard touchdown. And of course, throwing that football, Braden Shager, 13 to 25, 173 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception, sack just once. Obviously, there was one throw that you know that he'd like to have back, didn't see the linebacker on a crossing route and got picked off, but when you... remove that from the equation and and you look at 13 to 25 the initial reaction is like well that's still not a high enough completion percentage but then you start thinking and replaying in your head the actual incompletions and there were smart incompletions Uh, many of them were throwing them out of bounds which is something that uh, a lot of quarterbacks in this offense uh, it took them a long time to learn uh, that that sometimes that you just got to do that right I mean it's almost like the taking your medicine on the check down you know uh, maybe a nastier tasting medicine in is throwing that ball out of bounds, and so Rich Miano, uh, what were your thoughts on the evolution of Braden Shager? Obviously, nowhere near a finished product, but do you see the positive steps taken?
2: Yeah, and not to be negative, but we got to slow down on the iteration of the run and shoot because I think maybe twenty percent of run and shoot concepts, but there are more vertical concepts in this passing offense. I saw a trips formation where the inside two guys ran the switch route, and that's something new. And but Zion Bowens, let's let's be real, this is a this is the number one wide receiver type of guy. This guy would play for a lot of other schools throughout the country. He's the most explosive player on this roster. And you know what? You can criticize Braden Shager, and I still hear it. And, I, and you know, it's it's kind of sad, to be quite honest with you, because he throws a catchable deep ball. He's making better decisions, as you mentioned to Rob, throwing the ball away or taking his medicine, checking it down. And RJ's alluded to this, too, is the passing game is going to take time to catch up to the running game because of, the concepts and to try to get some new run and shoot concepts. So I, I just think that you got a guy that can take off the top of the defense and that's Zion Bowens. you are got to get Jonah Panoki back in hopefully a couple of weeks. Kuali Nishigaya played well, Jalen Waffle, and I'll tell you, Nick Senecal had his best game as a warrior this uh, Saturday night. So you know what? I just think that they're going to get better. And as Coach Chang is so optimistic about when they do, this is going to be like a real offense that's going to score some points.
0: Yeah, RJ Hollis, I want to give you a chance to talk about the offense and what you've seen here over the last couple of weeks, specifically what you saw against Nevada.
1: Uh, I I think – Rich kind of hit it on the head. You know, people are just kind of being a little more intense. And one thing you got to understand about the University of Hawaii, obviously not speaking to you guys, you guys obviously know this, but one of the few positions that UH has been spoiled in is quarterback. I mean, going all the way back to Garrett Gabriel and being as recent as Chevin Cordero, there have been some very talented signal callers who have stepped up and suited up for the University of Hawaii. And I think having that level of excellence that you kind of set yourself to – you got to realize before Shevin Cordero there's Cole McDonald you know you got quarterbacks that have just performed very well and then you hear people start saying run and shoot and I'm very glad that Rich kind of cleared that up in his last answer this is not full thoroughbred run and shoot this is a offense that had an identity and now it is slowly implementing more vertical attacks into its passing game and if it's implementing it that means it wasn't there for the season to begin with so you got a guy that's starting in his first year and is getting a ever-changing playbook with rotating receivers because for the first couple of weeks jonah Pinoke was my number one guy now jonah Pinoke is out zion bowens is my number one guy so when you talk about just the familiarity that quarterbacks and wide receivers have to have with each other that's been changed and skewed because of injury but when you talk about a young quarterback getting a changing playbook that he is now trying to adapt with on the fly There's definitely been some progress, obviously, with the strength like the running game that looks so clean and looks so polished. It would make a lot of people believe that, oh, the passing game should be the same. But anybody that knows football, especially from a coaching or playbook level, the passing game is always way more difficult to get down and get solidified. But that is one of the biggest reasons I believe Timmy Chang is saying what he's saying. And if you go back in previous weeks of Bo's football final, I got the receipt saying the same thing. Once the passing game does catch up to the running game, you are talking about one of those offenses that may not be, quote unquote, the run and shoot, but they just might be just as exciting and scored just as many points.
0: All right. Before we get to the Bose football final mailbox, and we have some interesting questions sent in. uh, I am looking forward to getting to that. I want to ask you guys, this is that should there be some pumping on the brakes? Because when you look at it, in the Mountain West Conference, uh, the two predicted worst teams in the conference heading in. And a lot of it had to do with because of the transfer portal raid and the loss of coaches and all that between the University of Hawaii and Nevada. Those are the two teams that were predicted to be the two worst teams in the conference, right? The Rainbow Warriors and the Wolfpack. So for the both to get this win, there could be people out there that say like, all right, pump your brakes a little bit. Like, let's slow down. That was a win over Nevada at home. Um, With that being said, when you pair it, with the close loss to San Diego State, which was a field goal with seven seconds remaining to give the Aztecs that win, when you start to think about it, you say, "Hey, if if San Diego State doesn't kick that field goal with seven seconds remaining, this is a team that could be two and zero to start Mountain West Conference play. They would be in first place because everybody else in the division has a loss." As you know, so when you put those together, is this a team, Rich Miano, that should? Be believing right now that they can accomplish not only more victories this season than people may have predicted for them, but crazy things can happen.
2: Yeah, a resounding yes, Rob, because this is a conference whereas if you play well, you will be rewarded. And I'm talking about they're getting a swagger. And RJ alluded to that. Maybe it's confidence on defense, right? But if you can stop the run and you can run the football. And you take it away on defense and you possess it on offense, all the things that it takes to win. I I think we're seeing the gestation period in terms of a growing, confident football team. And I do believe Colorado State is winnable. And you look through the rest of this conference. I mean, Air Force may be playing the best right now. And that's a whole different thing with triple option. Then you got Boise State, who's, you know, perennial pretty good after that. San Jose State lost to Fresno State, who lost to so-and-so, and and Utah State lost to so-and-so, and and Wyoming has played well at times, but I do believe Hawaii can compete in every single football game that's remaining on this schedule, and I think, like I mentioned, a little swagger, a little confidence in playing physical football and winning the war on the offensive and defensive line of scrimmage, it bodes well for Hawaii moving forward.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you bring up that probably the two best teams in the conference right now and the two scariest teams are Boise State and Air Force, and they just so happen – to not be on the University of Hawaii football schedule this season. You got a road game at Colorado State, followed by a home game against Wyoming. You play at Fresno State, who's been decimated by injuries here through the course of the season, starting to get healthier. So you know that's going to be a tough game. Then back home against Utah State, a team that lost to an FCS opponent earlier this year, uh, somewhat of a championship hangover for the Aggies. Then at home against UNLV yet again, and then on the road at San Jose State to face Chevin Cordero, a game that a lot of people the calendars on and you know the Rainbow Warriors gonna be up for that one. And so RJ Hollis, your thoughts on the belief, the swagger that this team should be carrying right now at one and one in conference, despite their overall record being two and five, hey, they're one and one.
1: Uh, Yeah. And I mean, if you're a fan or you're somebody that's, you know, watching and analyzing the team and you want to say pump the brakes, that's one thing because, you know, you never know how far you might go with predictions, projections and all that. But if you're in that locker room, if you in that coaching staff, I don't say pump the brakes. I say pump the gas. We gonna go as hard as we can every single day. And why not us? Everybody was doubting us. Everybody was saying, oh, we lost to New Mexico State. We'll never be able to to come back. This is going to be a long, horrible, terrible year. So if I'm in that locker room after this game, if I'm in that coaching meeting room after this game, we are not stopping nothing. As far as we're concerned, the goal should be the Mount West Conference Championship. As unrealistic as it may be, may sound, whatever That's going to be the mentality to this team, because what they have shown in just these last two weeks is that there's been a little misjudgment of this year's team. 21 and a half point underdogs against San Diego State on the road. And I'm telling you, that was not a score that I thought, even as an analyst, was unrealistic. I figured maybe a 17-point loss was going to happen in San Diego. San Diego escaped. Maybe you beat Nevada by three points or seven points. The amount that San Diego beat you by, you beat them by 15 points and you kept control of the game the entire time. There is no reason for anybody to believe that with this season that is left, you can't win a lot more football games. Hey, uh, Rob, we
2: started this podcast and RJ's jersey was crooked on the wall, which I thought was desecration. (laughs) <laughs> then it was straight. Now there's no jersey on the wall. What the heck's happening at the Hollis home?
0: Well, no, RJ got that bass in his voice, man, and he's hyped. The Rainbow Warriors got a big win over Nevada. The I mean, you're lucky, me you're lucky That's the door's still I, on the hinges, the man. Wall and it
1: came on me spiritually, and now I feel like put me on some shoulder pads and I'll go block me a, a, a nice... 35 uh play game that's
0: about it though that's about all i got well well we got our bose football final mailbox maybe we could take some of these questions we could hang that up on the wall for rj hollis to to replace the 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 jersey that came down to the ground but i apologize in advance because i took notes of what the questions were i can't get my internet to open right now for some reason i don't know what's going on uh, but so I, I I I don't remember who sent these in, but thanks, everybody, for, for sending in the questions uh, at Rob DeMello on Instagram, at Rob DeMello, K-H-O-N on Twitter, rdemello at K-H-O-N2.com on email. You could also find me on Facebook. And uh, what's up, RJ? What, what's going on?
1: I've got the question and one of them's for Rich. So can I ask it?
0: Oh, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> oh,
1: I get a new role. I get a new role. They say, see, Rob is so prepared. He gives us the questions ahead just <laughs> the internet go down. That's how much he stays. And once for Rich, so I actually get to ask my first question here on Bowles Football Final. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, this, might be, this might need to be
0: a new thing. Here we go. <laughs>
1: Let me get my one. Let me get my one. Coach Rich, does Shager's early games and run and shoot remind you of anybody that also played in the system well first of all i heard
2: rj you did an excellent job on cover two taking my job so we're all a little nervous about you moving up and you know on on that pedestal but yeah yeah, okay let's get back to that uh, maybe a little like dan robinson right but a little bit more athletic maybe a little bit like tyler grunke but i think grunke had a stronger arm you know, and I was asked prior to this game is should Hawaii be looking for a new quarterback in the transfer portal? Well, the answer is always you're trying to get better at every position, right? But at the same time, I'm a believer in Shager. I think that he's better than a game manager. He's going to continue to evolve in this offense. And um, he's he's his own person. And he's evolving into being a pretty good quarterback. But we got to continue to be patient he's going to make mistakes. But I think this young man has a chance to be a pretty good quarterback.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting, the, the evolution of Braden Shager. And it's also fun to watch, right? It's fun to watch someone grow It's someone. It's fun to watch someone's uh, even uh, tendencies change here over the course of a season. And that just tells you that there's coaching going on. That tells you that this player is taking the time to try and better themselves. There's a lot of game film that's being watched. There's a lot of, post-practice work that's being done. And so we'll see how the evolution of Braden Shager continues. Uh, the next question, again, I apologize. I, I don't have who sent this in, uh, but the question is about the fake punt call late in the second quarter. All right. So here's the deal it was fourth and 15, the university of Hawaii well into um, their own territory. And, obviously this was in the game plan and and it was if you get a certain look that that hey there's an opportunity here to get this big punt i don't know if 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 it was completely up to the coaches um that if you see this look that you go and do this and i don't think it, retrospectively they're ever going to go back and say like hey this was in the game plan. If they saw this, they were supposed to do it, but not when you're in your own territory late in a quarter and you only have a one-possession lead. Uh, but with that being said, Matthew Shipley goes 18 yards. He books it, gets a first down. It doesn't lead to any points because they eventually had to point punt later in that drive, but that really was kind of a tone setter as far as the team got jacked and the team realized that, hey – my our coaches are in it to win it and so again i'll back up and say i'm not sure that if the coaches had the very last say on this they would have done this but rj hollis um the question is was that too reckless of a call for the rainbow warriors
1: no i i gotta say no it's always gonna look like a bad call if it's not successful so no matter what you always get that you know 50 50 ball but I have actually the perfect story for this one because it's my final game ever. Hawaii Bowl 2016. Makoa kamate stevens is one of the most tedious people I know. I've never seen him make an MA my entire playing career. A punt happens, and we are not aware that there was a call for a potential fake punt. Coach Mayer, the special teams coach, is yelling at Makoa, who gets the snap somehow, And in my mind, Makoa just made a huge error and has the ball in his hands. And now all of our momentum is going to fly right out the window. But Makoa takes off running and throws it to Ammon Barker, who was waiting for it, caught it, got a first down. We explode. But in my mind, I am cussing Makoa out as the play is happening. That's just kind of the beauty of calling fake special teams. It's supposed to be simple. It's supposed to be the same procedure Every single time, and as soon as something happens that isn't out of the you know normal, people immediately start freaking out. I could see why people would ask if that's reckless because if Shipley doesn't get that, how does that change the game? But I have a feeling that between the confidence that the coaches were showing the players and with the amount of belief that the coaches had that the players could execute this. The players wanted to try it. It's wide open. I see it. Once Shipley gets the ball, there's no doubt in my mind that if that's not there, he's going to punt it. He's going to get rid of it. There's going to be no risk of no kind. But he saw it open. He took a chance, and he executed on that chance. So I think it was a good play call. And at the end of the day, whenever you call something tricky like that, you always run the risk of it not being successful. And then people going, oh, man, you should have never called it.
0: Uh, Rich Miano, as a former special teams coach, as a former special teams player, take us into your mind. When, first, when you saw it happen, what was your thoughts? And then after it was over, what was your thoughts?
2: I'm going to preface, preface it by saying RJ is not going to be the special teams coach for my Pop Warner team. <laughs> um, first nope, no, no, nope, like nope, not at all. <laughs> Rob, I agree with what you said. Like You have a fake based on a look. But then there has to be that second part of that fake. If it's fourth and 16 and you're on your own like 20-yard line, Omaha, Omaha, right? So, yeah, I think that was extremely rec- reckless. But you got to give these guys credit, Coach Sheffield, the special teams coordinator, for believing in the athleticism of Matt Shipley and the fundamentals of his Punt team blocking it correctly. So that was a huge play. And even though it wasn't a score, they flipped the field. So, you know, when you look at special teams yesterday, right, we never talked special teams on this show. They were horrible in terms of kickoff return, catching the ball at the two-yard line, Chucky Hines running out of bounds, fair catching a line shot kickoff, getting no extra yardage on that. So this was a big play. And We haven't seen special teams be special all year long. So maybe this will give them a little confidence that, hey, we got some... Stuff in our bag,
0: no. So, uh, so i want to go back and ask you, Rich. You know, do you think it was one of those situations that the coaches didn't necessarily say that this is a time that we're gonna do this? And what happened was the ball is snapped, and and typically you have a player that the upback that call, right that calls for yes. that says like this is what yes. they're doing, so this is what we do. Do you think yes.
2: that's what happened there? No, I, I think they're not that evolved in terms of that's what happens in the nfl rob exactly i think that did come in from the sidelines and i think it was one of those situations where you know sheffield must have been going like man this is fourth and 16 bro not only do we have to block it correctly we're gonna have to have some things happening in our favor but you know what let's roll with this guys we believe in you and that confidence can do a lot moving forward for this special teams knowing that hey guys we're gonna fake it against anybody anywhere anytime now you're gonna see be seeing defense stays, which is going to help your punt return game and everything else, your punt coverage.
0: Yeah, I mean, it all goes back to what you put on film, right? I mean, even incompletions can yes. turn game plans on its head the following week when when defensive coaches see something and say like hey that wasn't a touchdown but that should have been a touchdown we need to prepare for that and so that's the always the such the the very interesting thing about the game of football and, and really the game of scouting in any sport that I, I think doesn't get enough credit um you know moving forward all right last thing here on the Boise football final mailbox and it's one that you know I'm the uniform guy you know I got excited when this one got sent in but uh they wore the all white uniform at home. Um, uh, One thing to if my memory serves correct, and I've asked uh, several people within UH to kind of verify this and, and no one was really able to, but I think I'm right on this, is that the last time that the University of Hawaii wore a black helmet, white jersey, white pants for a regular season home game was June Jones's very first game. They faced USC, and then that's the uniform combo that they went with in that very first game of the June Jones era, and they have not done that since. Uh, you could bring up and, you know, kind of like, uh, oh, maybe this counts, but they went dark helmet, white jersey, silver pants against Washington in 2007 to clinch that uh, Sugar Bowl berth. And But if we're talking black, white, white, this is the first time since 1999, and so the question that came in is, should they keep the white jersey at home and kind of like a Dallas Cowboys thing, where you're wearing white at home, you force the 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 road team to get out of their uh, you know rhythm and their uh, typical things that they would do in a road game? And, and uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Did you like the look?
2: I'll go first on this, Rob, because I'm with you. You're the fashionista of this group, unless RJ's claiming to be a uh, sharp dresser. I don't know.
0: Oh, wait, wait, wait. But, wait. I, I need, I'm not the fashionista. As I'm talking to you, I'm wearing a dress shirt and a Los Angeles Angels cap, right? Uniform this fashionista. Is, That's what you're so that uh, saying. Uh, no, but no you always
2: talk about colors of uniforms and what looks good, and you should be the- <laughs> like, Yeah, I'm the, the uniform University guy. I'm not the fashionista. Okay, so that being said, white is clean. White look good.
1: Get them out of the rhythm, Rob. I'm with you, bro. RJ? Uh, I would probably do it more for a special occasion, especially since you might get a lot of pushback from other schools who are not going to want to wear white at their own, you know, home field. Maybe if you get to the point where you become a more dominant, you know, like 06, 07, Hawaii, where you can start calling shots. We can do all white like we the Dallas Cowboys, but maybe let's just limit it to special occasions and possibly a big game. Who knows? Maybe when? San Jose, or not San Jose State, but the week before that. You know Yeah, your last, you know, final home game, maybe you do white. I would like to see all white. I'm a truly big fan of all white, whether it's retro, whether it was what we wore in the 2016 Hawaii Bowl. I'm always a huge fan of the all white, but I would just limit it to special occasions, you know, especially now. But if you do get the idea of doing it and the guys like it, I say run with it.
0: Yeah, I think the interesting thing is it sets a, a precedent here that the University of Hawaii can get creative. They're not like a lot of other programs where there's a ton of money and you have all these different uniforms and alternate uniforms and special uniforms and you can wear something every week. But what this does allow you to do is that, hey, you could just change it up. And I think one thing that goes unnoticed by the University of Hawaii in regards to this of planning out a uniform is that, you know, I I think too much of the mindset is it's a game of football. You just worry about winning games. It doesn't matter what you wear. And you know, that old school approach, but you got to remember is that you're also creating a different experience for the fans or for the players. Right. I mean, you even look at, at pictures, if they wore the black helmet, black Jersey, black pants in every single home game this season, and you start having memories of the 2022 season, like all the games just feel the same, right. They all feel like, that they all kind of mold into one and even for the players too, but when you can break things up and you can wear a different set and you can go white, white uh, on your uniform, then it just makes this game feel special. It makes you feel like you're at something special when you walk into the stadium as a fan. And so they can continue to do this. They can go black Jersey, white, jer- uh, or, or excuse me, black Jersey, white pants, right? You can go white, white, you can go black, black. And then if they're able to get their practice uniforms, uh, game ready then you throw a white helmet in there and then now that this triples the the amount of combos that you can do right because then you can start messing with all the helmets too so uh definitely it was a a cool little change up for the university of hawaii to do that but uh guys real quickly before we get out of here colorado state is up next rich miano what do you want to see out of this rainbow warrior football team in this evolution
2: yeah and we've talked about it uh ad nauseum in terms of the evolution of the passing game the consistency. You know, there was a, there was two series before halftime, Robin, I don't like to talk about play calling, where it was there was about three minutes approximately left in the half, and we threw it three times on offense and punted the football away. Then we came back and ran it when there was less than a minute, two or three times. So just a little bit more consistency and, and, and a game plan that I think, like RJ talked about, we can run the ball on anybody. And if we're struggling to throw the football, run that rock. And I think we'll have some success against Colorado State. I look forward to it.
0: I heard RJ a couple of weeks ago, you asked to see the dog. You got the dog. Is there anything else now that you want? Is there another uh, animal in the kingdom? <laughs>
1: uh, no, not no animals that I could think of. But if anything, I'm probably just going to echo what Rich said, a consistency. Um, Not only from the defense who has been playing stellar. So them consistent, just staying and continuing to attack the way you do, but a consistent Passing game. The one thing that was not brought up that I did want to bring up is that Braden Shager in the first quarter against Nevada went seven of nine for a hundred yards and a touchdown. But for the remainder of the game, he would go six of sixteen for only seventy nine yards and an interception. So if you outpass yourself in one quarter, then you do for the next three quarters. That should not be necessarily a oh. Let me get down on myself. That should be more of a If I can get that first quarter performance four times, imagine the game I could have. So for the passing game, catch up. For the defense, just keep doing what you're doing. And I think that there'll be another victory next week, possibly.
0: Rainbow Warriors with a chance to get a second Mountain West Conference victory facing off against Colorado State. That is on Saturday at 10 a.m. Hawaii time. The game will be on Spectrum Sports Pay-Per-View with game on starting at 9.30 in the morning. I'll be there with Jordan Helle and Kavika Hallams. Rich Miano will be on the road for this one. And we will be back here on Monday morning for Bose football final to talk about what went down and what's coming up next. Mahalo for watching, everybody. For R.J. Hollis, Rich Miano, I'm Rob DeMello. Have a great week. Take care of yourselves. Aloha.